Human Torch was denied a bank loan. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. So, 70% of the time it works every time. It doesn't make sense. Say, <laughs> yeah. It's a potent smell. Sting the nostrils. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> it smells like burnt hair and Indian food. It smells like Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> it's worse than the time. The raccoon got in the copy. <laughs> Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Omcast. We're here this time to talk about our year in review. Yes, so in addition to the Grand Rewatch, we also basically talk about pretty much anything we go and see at the cinema. Yeah. Um, but as we only sort of started this in October. Yeah, I think so. September, something like that. Um, it means obviously we've missed out a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that's come out this year that we obviously went to go and see that we didn't cover. Um, so we're taking this opportunity now. Um, to go back, um, we're going to start, we're going to do it sort of chronologically, and we're going to go through Pretty all much. the movies that we've seen that came out here in the UK. I have to emphasise that as well, because there's a couple of things straight up which um, would have been released in the States in the year before, Yeah. Um, but we only got a chance to see this year. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to then work our way through until we get to the end of the year, basically. Uh, it may end up being a two-parter, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, see how we get on. Um, we're going to try and keep it. We've got rules, but we've rules are made to be broken. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah. Without further ado, then I think we'll talk about a couple of things that were released here in the UK in January. Yeah. Um, so let's set the ground rules first. Okay. So we're gonna we've made a list. Yeah. Of all the films that we've seen at the cinemas this year, we've checked it twice. We've checked it twice. Well, we found out that uh, which ones are nice and which ones are total pieces of flaming shit. And on that basis, we've then both created our top five best and top five worst movies of the year. We have, um, which is interesting. So we'll talk so, about that when we get to the end. Yeah. So, in total, we've seen, I think it's 42 films. Something like that. There are a few whereby you've seen them and I haven't. I'm, well, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd and yeah. I go to the cinema too much. Uh, but, yeah. So, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about each one for a minute. Yeah. We're going to try and keep it down to one minute per film. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> so, there are some films that we'll talk briefly about today, but we'll probably go into more depth and do a full episode on at some point in the future. Yeah. Particularly, like... the ones in series so like the Marvel movies basically yeah. next year at some point we are going to have to do an episode all about Infinity War yeah. um, and Black Panther and all the rest of it but anyway yeah. so the first film of the year yeah in terms of again released in the UK cinema we looked this up on IMDB it's never lied to us before so it was released in the UK cinema it was Coco and Three Billboards oh yeah okay so um, I haven't seen so which one came first Coco I okay. think Coco came out in like New Year's Day or something. Okay. Yeah. So if we start with that. Have you not seen it? I've not seen it. <gasps> oh, God. Right. Okay. You've got one minute yep. to tell all of us about it, starting from now. Right. So Coco um, was the Pixar movie. It's amazing. Um, amazing visuals. Amazing story. Uh, it's about Day of the Dead celebration in Mexico. If you're any kind of Pixar fan, I would definitely check it out. Um, and it does what all good Pixar movies do, which is to break you emotionally <laughs> and leave you an absolute wreck. And this was like, there are some that don't get, don't quite get there. So like Incredibles, which we'll talk about later, didn't quite get there. This one is the one that will break you. This, okay. this is light up. This is that, that kind of Pixar movie. Um, so yeah, if you've got a soul, go and watch Coco. Okay. Otherwise, you were saying about the box office before? Oh yeah. No, sorry. In Mexico, it made, it's the highest grossing movie of all time in Mexico. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think because it because it embraces all that Mexican cultures and Mexican cast, and they did well in terms of they didn't cast like an American actor to play okay. Mexican or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Looks amazing as they always do, um, and I'll go out and watch it when you get a chance. Excellent. Okay, okay. Uh, and then next is Three Billboards. Yes, Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is the big Oscar movie. Talk. Yes. So. I don't really know how to describe this too much. It is like uh, a black comedy, but it's really quite a serious drama as well. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't even say comedy. But yeah, yeah there are like some bleak black comedy moments in there. Yeah. But it is such a an intense film. I mean, the premise sort of sits around a uh, murder of a young girl in this small town. Mm -hmm. And the mother of this woman puts up the titular billboards 
outside of Ebbing, Missouri, to directly address the police force and the sheriff in the town because she believes uh, the inaction that they've been going with. Um, it's really difficult to say too much without yeah. going into spoilers, but the cast is fucking incredible. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, uh, Sam Rockwell, and I've forgotten her name. Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Uh, yeah, it's just all of these amazingly, really powerful stories. Yeah. It's really visceral, it's really intense, and it's really powerful in moments as well. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it, you're an idiot, and you definitely need yeah. to watch it. The one thing I will say about it as well, it's great to see that this is the movie where Sam Rockwell finally got some recognition. He won an Oscar yeah, for it. absolutely. And deservedly so. Yeah. Um, he's been one of the most underrated actors working for a really long time. Yeah. And this was the one where he... Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, that's three, three billboards. What's next? Um, right, so next. So... Do you want to talk about Cloverfield Paradox quickly? <sighs> Fine, right. So, <laughs> so in February, they did a very... I think the most interesting thing about Cloverfield Paradox was that, the way it was released. Because they announced they were making another Cloverfield movie. Um, so and they put a trailer out for it during the Super Bowl. And then yeah. it was, oh, it's going to be on on Netflix tomorrow. And we were like... Because yeah. no, you and I were both quite big fans of Cloverfield as a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the film itself came out. And yeah. it was bollocks. It didn't make any fucking sense. And it was stupid. And, it, and there were parts in it that didn't lead anywhere. No. And built it built up, but just it was like fell away. The idea is that they... And again, it was a cool idea, because it was like they're a bunch of scientists on a space station, and they do a, an experiment with like a large Hadron Collider, I think. I think so. Something like and that. And then like it opens up. Uh, they go into an alternate dimension. Yeah. And they basically just create this paradox, and the idea being that all Cloverfield stuff spins off from there. Yeah. But it was it was a cool idea, not well executed, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit of a shit show. Yeah, it was. Um, and we were sort of still holding out hope that Overlord would end up being Cloverfield related, but it wasn't in the end. But never mind. No. So we did get a Cloverfield film this year, but it was crap. <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> okay, excellent. Right. And then next on the list is Shape of Water. Shape of Water. I haven't seen it. I have seen. So, Shape of Water, uh, there's a lady who is mute. Mm-hmm. She um, works in this secret government facility. And she turns up for work one day and encounters this creature that's in it. Um, and then it's about this love story mm-hmm. that sort of builds between them and then the alienation between her and the creature and everybody else around her. And I believe, again, sort of Oscars-wise, this was the one that won the Best Picture Oscar from... Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, cleaned up. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, justifiably so. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. Okay. It's absolutely beautiful. The music's incredible. The acting is incredible. You have a protagonist that doesn't say a single word throughout the entire thing. Uh, Michael Shannon's in there as the antagonist and is fucking frightening. Mm-hmm. Um and is just generally all around super intimidating, really mate, really yeah. scary guy. But all in all, the film is absolutely beautiful. Well, it's Guillermo del Toro. It is, yeah. Guillermo del Toro, absolutely gorgeous and beautiful film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go out, rush out to go and see it. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. That's the thing, it never really appealed to me, but I feel like I should try and catch it up on it. It's one of those ones where... Yeah, yeah I definitely think it's worth a shot, because like, if, if you like visual cinema, and if you like... Well, if you like Guillermo del Toro, he's sort of got his own autoristic style. Yeah. Uh, and this is like peak del Toro. Again, for those of you who don't know, like directors, so Guillermo del Toro is the guy who did Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Um, and he also did like the original Hellboy movies. Yeah. Um, so he's very much like a creature, sort of, he's mm-hmm. like gothic, um, dark fairy tales yeah. is his whole thing. Um, so this is completely up his street. And it was it completely, is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and it's an original idea from him. Um but the way that it's um, created is that... So we are in this sort of post-war setting. It's set right. in the 50s, I believe. Um, and the styling doesn't normally fit like a gothic style. Mm. But the way that he makes it, he sort of tailors it all around it. The way that he plays with light and the set design and everything like that is absolutely stunning. Excellent. Okay, cool. Right, so what have we got next on the list? Well, given that... So there's another one... In um, well, actually, there's a couple more in February that you've seen that I haven't seen. Okay, which is I Tonya and Game Night. Okay. Um, but given that you just did Shape of the Water, yeah, I'll do one that I have seen and we both seen, and that is Black Panther. Yes, came out in February. 
feels like such a long time ago. I know, like, it's mad. It's isn't crazy, it? isn't it? Yeah, we've come so we've come so far. Yeah, so the first Marvel movie of the year was Black Panther in February, and it absolutely cleaned up. I believe it's still the number two um, highest grossing movie worldwide. Yeah. Um, this year, I think I think it's highest grossing in the states. Excellent. Yeah, it is um, essentially the origin story, if you like, of um, T'Challa, the Black Panther. Um, it's kind of the well, it's sort of the origin story. Yeah, kind of. Like the origin split sto- the origin yeah. story between this and Civil War. Yeah, so it's the origin story of this uh, a new Marvel character. It's about him taking up his mantle as the king of Wakanda. Yeah, he's then challenged by a antagonist. Yeah, I won't spoil who. But if you haven't seen Black Panther, I would one thing I would say is that it it sort of transcends the whole Marvel thing because I yeah. know that a lot of people, even yet yeah, members of my own family, have said that they find it quite alienating the Marvel thing where now yeah. now they've come so far unless you've seen the previous movies you don't know what's going on no I feel like Black Panther is stands on its own yeah and you can watch it on its own it's got a great sort of story and you know messaging behind it and mm-hmm. the thing that I'll say about it which is something I might come back to later is that it's proof that even within superhero cinema you can elevate and talk about some deep some cultural culturally yeah, relevant things definitely. it doesn't have to just be a disposable action movie there can no. be some deeper stuff in there and yeah there is and that's that's the, its biggest achievement for me yeah um but yeah that's black panther everything about it is fucking great yeah soundtrack cast amazing set of characters yeah um you know Denai Guerrero and Lupita Nyong'o and mm-hmm. Michael B Jordan yeah. and Chadwick Boseman obviously and yeah, everyone just absolutely kills it in that movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, love it. Um, but yeah, okay. Okay, so I'm now going to talk about I, Tonya. Yeah, so is this Margot Robbie? Yeah. Right, okay, tell me, go on. So I, Tonya is the... Um, is like an unstable biopic of the Tonya Harding story. Is it the ice skater? Yeah, she's, right. she was the ice skater uh, yeah. in the leading up to the Olympics and before the national competitions... Her biggest rival was attacked with the aim right. of breaking her leg so she couldn't compete, so Tanya would win. Okay, this is all a true story that happened like in the 80s, didn't it? Or... Uh, 90s. Really? Early wow. 90s. Wow. Um, and the reason that I say that it's an unstable narrative is because the writer and director of it saw two documentaries where each documentary gave their own perspective on it from Tanya's side and her husband's side. Okay. And they've combined that into the film. So there are points when the protagonist, Tonya, and her husband are talking directly to the camera. Okay. Um, as but, if it was a documentary but side. They, but also they... Tonya talks to the camera by breaking the fourth wall as well. Okay. And then some things happen in Tonya's perspective and some things happen in her husband's perspective. And what I would say is that the deliverances of these characters from everyone is fucking bananas. It's so good that it just made you sit back and go, holy shit, these guys are incredible. Because it's... Like, Margot Robbie is obviously a very beautiful woman, but she's an incredibly talented actress yeah. as well. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like she, stuff like this is... What the, she keeps doing them. Yeah. Like, every year she's got one like this out, and it keeps reminding everyone about how good yeah. she actually is. Yeah. Like, coming up now this year is going to be that um, Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah. And she's like... Like ugly to herself up for it, if you like. Yeah. To try and sort of convince people that she's not this like super hot, glamorous. Yeah. She's actually just really talented, which she is, is fine. It's a shame that that's what she has to do in order to do that. Yeah, but and it's not yeah. even like the, she does it in this, to be honest, because no. um, she's just dialed it back a bit. So she's yeah. not always going to be presented in the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn style, yeah, or the Margot Robbie Wolf of Wall Street style. Yeah. She's presented like a normal woman who's a bit of a redneck, and um. Yeah, it's so good. The the delivery, it's really funny in places. It's heartbreakingly sad in places. It's frustrating in places. I think didn't Alison Janney win an Oscar for it? Yeah. For playing her mum. She plays her mother um, and she is fucking, yeah. she's, she's just amazing in it as well. So again, that's okay. another one I've run over on time. No, that's on. fine. Um, but yeah. Cool. Um, so I think there's only one more left in February. Oh no, well, there's game night. You can talk about, but before, okay. we get, before we get to that, there's one that we both watched, Annihilation. Yes. So this is a weird one, and we are probably going to run over on this. But Annihilation. So it was. It's um, Alex Garden directed it. Yeah. And it is a sci-fi 
movie, like a hard sci-fi. Yeah. Like proper, full-on hard sci-fi. Got Natalie Portman, Oscar Isaac, Tessa Thompson, Mm -hmm. and it was going to be released in cinemas, and then Netflix sort of bought it out for whatever reason. They They bought it off of Paramount, didn't they? I think Paramount decided not to put it out in cinemas, and instead they just sold it full sale to Netflix, and Netflix just put it out. They put it out in America, but not anywhere else. uh, Yeah, that that was it. It was international distribution went to Netflix. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. We were both looking forward to it. You'd read like the full series of books. I think. Yes. There's, a, there's a series of three books. Southern Reach trilogy. Yeah. Um, by Jeff Van... Vandermeer. Vandermeer, yeah. I've read the first two at this point. I still haven't read the third one yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to describe what it is. Essentially, it is a, like I say, a sci-fi movie whereby there is a contaminated area in America yeah. that some sort of event or something weird happened. They yeah. don't know what. There's some sort of barrier around it, and no one understands what the hell happened. They keep sending expositions into this area to try and figure out what's happened. Whether it's yeah. is it an alien incursion, is it some sort of biological contaminant? No one knows. Yeah. And that, I don't want to say any more than that. Yeah. Really. I mean, and this is this is the um, yeah this so this is expedition X. Yeah. One of the numbers that's gone in. Yeah. And then the, so I suppose the plot. The the way they kickstart it is that Natalie Portman's husband, who's played by Oscar Isaac, has been on one of these expositions. He's been in, he yeah. never, he, and he didn't come back. No, he did come back, but he was different. But he came back in. The, we don't find that at the start, do we? No, we do. Do we? I think. Mate, it's been so long. He comes back in the it. film, which because that's. I think he comes back in at the beginning of the film. That's why she we was find out. In. That's we find out. That's why she, one of the reasons why she's gone in, and we find that out in the film. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. It, it, it's great. It is, it's amazing. <laughs> it messes with your head. It messes with how you think about film. It is hard, hard sci-fi. Yeah, it's not... It, it the only thing I can liken it to recently, I suppose, is like Arrival. Yeah. Like, again, hard sci-fi, like proper existential sort of yeah. real hard questions. And it sort of... It was a shame that they chose that they felt that there wasn't an audience for it and they had to put it out on Netflix. Yeah. Um, because I would have loved to have seen it in the cinema. Um, particularly, like, I remember the sound design and the music was, was unreal, and I wish that we could have seen it in a dark, do you know what I mean, in the cinema properly. Yeah. Um, but as it was, it's great. Um, and yeah, good check it out. Definitely. Um, there are some differences from the source material, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I would, I mean, yeah, you know more about the source material than I do. That's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, time. yeah I'd, I'd, I think I'd like to do an episode on it at some point. Yeah. But um, but it's not gonna. I don't know if we're get, ever getting a sequel or anything else. But no, I, they're not gonna make the trilogy, are they? But that's also part of the reason why the film that they did make is the way it is. Yeah. Um, the decisions that they made in this this first film, what you know, it was never intended to be. Yeah. We're gonna make this into a trilogy. I don't think you ever would have sustained that. No. Um, I tell you what, if 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 you've ever seen um, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson, yeah, if you liked that film. I think you'll really, really enjoy this. Yeah, it's a fair shout. Yeah. Right, what we got next? <laughs> uh, game Night. Do you want to talk about Game Night? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll chat about Game Night. So Game Night, um, I didn't actually see it at the cinema. I watched it on home release, but it was out at that point. It came out in February, so yeah. Yeah, so it came out in February, so we'll talk about it now. Uh, game Night is a um, fun comedy that's got Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdam as the two leads in it. Yeah, all right. Uh, you have an issue with believing that they're a couple in it? Yes, fuck off. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is the thing that I have a lot of the time where they just, just ridiculously beautiful women get off with just like funny guys. And co- it's like anything with Seth Rogen. Seth yeah. Rogen with Rose Byrne. Fuck off. <laughs> like, it's just not realistic. And it sets an unrealistic expectation in real life. And it, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Move on. It's okay. You know, people people like funny guys, you know. Yeah, but I'm not that's, funny, that's am why I? People like like me, us. Uh, right. So yeah, basically, it's <laughs> a comedy film that's uh, that's framed around a game night that these friends regularly have, and um, Jason Bateman's brother turns up, and suddenly the games have the game escalates. He's yeah. like, "Oh, this is um, this is a game, a new thing that everybody's involved in. It's a lot more role play heavy. Somebody's going to turn up." And this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then it does. But what it does is it turns that on its head, right. and it's like, oh, is the game actually real now, or is this a, is this to- something totally different? Yeah. But like Jesse Plemons is in it. Okay. Yeah. And he's fucking brilliant. Okay. 
So he normally plays a fairly deadpan guy anyway, but yeah. he's beyond deadpan. In oh, is he the neighbour? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think I've, cause I've seen the, the weird neighbour like, that they've not had back. Yeah, I think I've seen the first like 10 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. There are some really gross out moments. There yeah. are really slapstick moments. It gets a little bit contrived in there. Yeah. But I would say it's probably, it's definitely worth a watch if you're going to see it. Okay. It is genuinely really, really interesting fun. Interesting to compare it to, there's another comedy that is quite similar. Well, not similar but about friends taking a game too far. Okay. <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about later. So we're interested okay, to see what cool. you, whether you think one's better than the other. Sure. Having seen both. Perfect. Uh, but we'll get to there. Um, okay, so March. So this was released in cinemas. Okay. And it's there's a movie that came out, and it was released in cinemas, but it was also on Sky Movies. It was a Sky original production. It was called The Hurricane Heist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. I love, it was but you don't, why are you looking at me like that we want to talk about the hurricane heist well it's certainly a film we saw this year it is a film about. we saw this year the hurricane heist is a movie whereby there's well a heist I mean I don't know what you wanted to say so it's, it's Toby by Ke- the director of the original Fast and Furious film yep it's got Toby Kebbell in it Toby Kebbell in it it's got uh, Maggie Grace. Maggie, yes, it is Maggie Grace. Yeah, it's got. Um, that's uh, it. That's all. The, that's all the people that you know. Yeah, in it. and it's yeah, it's just as stupid as it sounds. Yeah, um, they're trying to rob the Federal Reserve in like I don't know, like Louisiana or something. When there's during there's, a hurricane, during a hurricane, chaos ensues. It's fucking mental. Watch it. Don't <laughs> really watch fun. it. It's no, fucking watch. stupid, and it'll make you dumber. Yeah, but I love that. Anyway, <laughs> you like films like that. Yeah, I like, do. And to an extent, I kind of like films like that. But, but they, this think, this was just too far. But they make you angry. It's like Fast and Furious. Fast oh, and fuck Furious. off. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the next film. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. So March is quite a big month, actually. Um, so, I mean, what's the next one I've got down? Actually, yeah, again, there's one in here that I haven't seen, which you can talk about, which is uh, Isle of Dogs. Yes. Okay, so Isle of Dogs is the... Uh, latest addition to the Wes Anderson franchise. Is it a franchise or is it just a director who makes films? Well, I'd say it's a franchise. Some They're not interlinked in any way. Well, well then there's not a franchise then, is it? All right. <laughs> so a director. All right. So this is the latest addition to the quiver of films that Wes Anderson has put together. He would have a quiver, wouldn't he? Oh, yes, he fucking would, because he's a fucking artist. No, he's a quirky arsehole. Uh, yeah, we, we disagree quite Shut strongly up. about Wes Anderson, but this is why you've seen it and I haven't. Yeah, I fucking love Wes Anderson films. Okay, they're quirky, they're weird, they're fun. They're they've always got like a really heartfelt message yeah, in there. Yeah, they're quirky for the sake of being quirky. It's great. Go on. All right, go and go and watch another Fast and Furious film. You fucking chimp. You're gonna throw feces at the screen. I will. God, 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 our boobs. Hey, God, our boobs they're... and the hip hop songs with Pitbull in it. They're a family. All right. Go fuck yourself. Okay. You know who a family are? Royal Tenenbaums. That's a family. Darjeeling Limited, family. Life Quack, family. What's Isle of Dogs about? <laughs> you haven't said anything about it so, yet. So, <laughs> Isle of Dogs is set in a... Um... It's stop motion animation for a start. So, well, yeah, give me a sec. Right, so Isle of Dogs is set in a dystopian future where Japan has outlawed all dogs and they are being pushed off to like a junk island where trash is taken out. Uh, it's all done in stop motion. It's beautifully done in stop motion the sound design in there is great the dialogue is delivered in like really snappy punchy ways in like the Wes Anderson style Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to say it's probably my favourite Wes Anderson film that honour goes to The Life Aquatic but it's it's lovely it's really sweet in places it's really funny in places and it's essentially the story about a young boy who's going back to free the dogs and to find his dog who was taken to the island uh it's got an amazing cast mm. go and look it up i won't get into it now because it'll take ages and i'll get all gushy about it but the people like brian cranston bill murray uh scarlett johansson it's just full of all the people that he normally works with yeah um i won't say too much more because i know that you hate these films no you can wait this is exactly why we're doing this this is it yeah but anyway it's it's so fun and it is so sweet, mm-hmm. and it's there are really twee moments in there, and there are some racially insensitive parts that I would say are in there. But from a technical standpoint, there's a scene specifically which I'll refer to um, about sushi, which, given that it's stop motion, will blow your mind okay. when you see it. 
Okay. It's so good. All right. Um, I'd definitely say it's up there in my favourite stop motion films. Yeah, stuff like <laughs> Kubo is another one that's up there. Okay. Yep. Um, and then yeah, the Wallace and Gromit ones as well. But yeah, it's is what it is. It's a Wes Anderson film about dogs. It was made for you, really, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, March. I mean, there were a few things in the cinema um, in March that we went to go and see. So, first of all, I think I think it was the first one that came out, uh, Tomb Raider. Yes. So, the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider um, came out in March. It's now, actually, last week, been added to Netflix. Oh, cool. Um, so, what I would say is, now that it's on Netflix, I would check it out. Because yeah. it's actually, because I think it was quite underrated. Because it's kind of, it's nothing special. No, it's fine for what it is. But I feel like it's worth, and you know, two hours. It's pretty good. Yeah. If it something to throw on on a yeah. Saturday evening, if you want to have a bit of fun. And if it hadn't been for the previous ones, it would have done a lot better. I think she does great. She yeah. carries the movie, and she's really committed to it. You can tell from the action scenes and everything. She really throws mm-hmm. herself into it. Um, and it sort of loosely follows the plot of the reboot game from 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's quite just a stripped back basic action movie, really. Um, and I think the biggest sort of takeaway from Tomb Raider for me is that I just really want them to make a sequel. Yeah. It deserves a sequel. Yeah, for sure. It's an origin story, sets her up, and I'm like, I want to see more of her version of this character. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think it did well enough to warrant a sequel, but... A shame. shame. You never know. I think it's probably the best pilot show of a TV series that we'll yeah, ever get. kind of, yeah. It kind of remi- In that vein, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Dread. Like, Dread was a great starting point. And yeah. Like, right, give me more. And then they never did because no one ever went to go and see it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a shame. But anyway, that was Tomb Raider. Yep. Right, what's next on the list? Um, well, we've got Pacific Rim. Yeah, let's talk about Pacific Rim. <laughs> Pacific Rim... Uprising. Uprising. Or Pacific Rim 2 Uprising is the sequel to the 2007 film... 13. 2013 film directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yep. Um, this one isn't. This one isn't, obviously. <laughs> um, it kind of follows a similar thing that the giant monsters are back. The kaiju are back yeah. to fight the Jaegers, which yeah. are giant robots. So it's giant robot, punchy giant kaiju monster in the future. Yeah. So this time, uh, John Boyega's the lead. Yep. Who's having a great time doing so. He's playing John Boyega. He's playing John Boyega, his best self yeah. as John Boyega. Um, and Charlie Day is yeah. in it. Charlie again. Day goes full Charlie Day. Goes full Charlie Day in this. Uh, Clint Eastwood's son is yeah. in this. Um, and I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's it's really fun. It's bright, it's neon, it's punchy, yeah. it's silly. Yeah. But until you pointed out yesterday, I forgot that came out. Yeah, exactly. Which is a shame. Yeah. Because we were quite like, I really loved the first Pacific Rim. Same. Um, it was yeah, like you say, really sort of slight, like proper B movie, like real mm-hmm. cool. And um, but with this one, I feel like they kind of pushed it a little bit too far in a few places. Yeah. Um, and got away from like there weren't enough kaiju. Basically, there weren't enough like no. it was all. It became too much about the mech and not enough about the monsters. And that is, you can see, you can see clearly. Del Toro is not involved anymore. Yeah. If Del Toro was involved, it would be all about the monsters all the time. Yeah. Um, which is what we want to see. Um, but yeah, and it got a bit, it got very silly, but it was entertaining. Yeah, it was really fun. I think it, what I said at the time, I think, was it's bollocks, but it's really entertaining bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, and Similarly has, to my my one line review when we went to see the Power Rangers film. Yeah. Was I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Power Rangers is an interesting one. We might have to talk about that another time. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's the last 10 minutes of Power Rangers when it actually is a Power Rangers movie up till then. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway. Um, so that's, that's uh, Pacific Rim. Yeah. And what we got after that? On one, one... one last one in March. Yep. Ready Player One. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, so it, it's um, adapted from a book written by a guy called Ernest Klein, and it's about a dystopian future where everyone plays this massive online game mm-hmm. um, to a point where that's where all schools are, that's where like all of life is lived out in this virtual reality, essentially. Yeah. Um, and 
it becomes about a quest to find a Easter egg that's been hidden in there by the game's creator, and that whoever finds the egg gains control of this virtual world and therefore the future of the human race, yeah. essentially. So they get half a trillion dollars. Exactly. They become the owner of the company and they become essentially king of the world. Yeah. And the whole thing's built on references, references to pop culture, references to previous video games and movies and it's just chaos. Um, We both read the book beforehand. Yep. Both quite enjoyed the book. Yep. Then they made the movie. Steven Spielberg made it. And it was pretty great, to be honest. Yeah, it It was. was, It was really good. Kind of nailed it. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was like... When you were reading the book, he was like, how the hell are you going to film this? But then when they said, oh, Spielberg's doing it, you're like, right. all right. Well, if anyone can do it, yeah. you can do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, if anyone can capture that wonder, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. And they, like I said, they pretty much nailed it. They they changed things. I know there were certain fans of the book that weren't happy with some of the changes they made and vice versa. But for what it was, I thought it was great. And I really enjoyed yeah. it. I had a lot of um, fun with it. Obviously, very special effects heavy. Yeah, uh, but it would it has to be anyway, no matter what you do. Yeah, um, I mean it kind of suits it as well because it yeah. is in a virtual world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great cast um, all round. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn continues to just be the go-to guy for Hollywood bad guys these days. Yeah, true. So the scenery villain. We need a bad guy. Ben. Simon Pegg is in it. Simon Pegg's in it. Some just... that guy from that other film is the protagonist in it. That guy from that other film. Yeah, he's Cyclops. Yeah, exactly. That's the other film. Is that the other film you were thinking? Yeah, he's young Cyclops. Sure. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's just good fun, really. It's just yeah. it's classic sort of Spielberg, um, high concept mm-hmm. fun. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to go down in history as a classic, but I no. definitely think it's going to go down as a film that um, you know you can repeatedly watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I you'll think, notice something new every time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's they they've talked about this, there being sequels, so it's not something that's going to be. Um, left alone. really well it did, it did well at the box office again it's like in the top 10 of yeah. high grossing and Ernest Klein has already talked about Ready Player 2 okay his idea for a sequel to the book Ooh. and now that the film's out I feel like he's basically going to be rather than develop, you know, writing a new book he's just going to be working with the screenwriter oh cool because he wrote the script yeah 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 um, and making uh, coming up with an idea for Ready Player 2 and whatever yeah. that's going to be which will be interesting um, they should yeah. call it Player 2 as end of the game Trade market. <laughs> right, what's next? April. So April's a big Ooh, month. April's yeah. a big month. But um well yeah, straight away there's one here that you saw that I didn't see. So ghost stories. Do you want to talk <sighs> about ghost stories or do you wanna I really want to talk about ghost okay, stories? Okay, ghost stories. Okay. So I don't want to talk about ghost stories too much. <laughs> but it's fucking brilliant. Is it? Yeah, so really? Ghost Stories is a um, sort of almost an anthology film. Is it's broken up into different stories? Ghost stories. Huh? You see where they went with that? Very good. Uh, so it's broken up into I think it's three different stories, and it follows a journalist who's going around to somebody who's notoriously skeptical. Uh, no, so it goes around and it follows a guy who is notorious for like debunking paranormal events. Yeah. And each time he goes, he goes from one to the next to the next. And each one becomes sort of a little bit more interlinked with the other one. Yeah. So each one links to another one, even if it's in a slight, it's in a very slight way. Yeah. Or something that might happen whilst the story is being told to him. Mm-hmm. There's like a flash from the previous one or a revelation to the next one. And it's got this amazing, just entirely British cast. It's a British made film. Um, the cast is entirely British. And it's made up from not massively well-known people. I think Martin Freeman is probably the yeah. most recognisable person in there. Uh, Paul Whitehouse is in there mm-hmm. in probably one of the most harrowing things I've seen in years. Okay. Um, but I would absolutely, absolutely say if you're in any way a slight fan of horror or um, like spooky stories or you have any interest in the paranormal, watch this film. I won't say anything more because there is a wider story going around it okay. um, about this guy's path, but it's absolutely gut-wrenching in places. It's heartbreaking in places. It's terrifying in places. Okay. It's just so, so fucking good. All right, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. 
I'll, maybe we'll have to do like a Halloween special next year, and maybe I'll watch it. See, I'm not I'm not great with horror. Usually, I oh, okay. sort of roll my eyes at horror films. Yeah, I fucking love horror films. Okay, which is one thing that I am a little bit sad about this year that I missed out on seeing the new Halloween. Yeah, so that was the first one in April. Another one in April. A Quiet Place. Yes. Quiet Place is a um, sci-fi horror movie directed by John Krasinski, who yep. also stars in it, along with Emily Blunt. Um, and basically, the, the concept is aliens have taken over the planet, and they react only to sound. So there is John Krasinski and um, Emily Blunt, who play a couple in this movie, who have children, and they're trying to survive, essentially, yeah. out in the woods somewhere in some sort of rural American setting. And the idea is you've got to make no noise. Yeah, because the minute you make noise, these things find you, and they just fucking kill whatever they are. You just like you attack. barely they just attack, and that's how they that's how they move, that's how they operate, and it's fucking brilliant. It's really tense. It's done with, so much is done with like, obviously very little dialogue, mm-hmm. and like um and they use sign language, um and there's some great performances from both of them, um and the kids themselves, and it's just yeah, and I think it's one of the more original movies of the year. Oh yeah, for um, sure. And as given that it's like more or less his debut as a director, I think as well. I think so. Um, fair play, hats off to the guy. Yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, great. Quite so good. Like masterwork of tension. As absolutely, well. uh, and he made a good load of money. It was a big. It was a hit, um, and deservedly so because it was great. Um, so I'll be interested. Apparently, they're talking about a sequel. Okay. Don't, don't quite know how that's going to work, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, quiet place. Do it. Excellent. Do it. Do it. What's next? Um, oh, so on my list is a bit of a is a tough one. What in April? Hard, a heavy one, should I say? Not a tough one. Okay, I think it's the same one I've got. Then, so do you want to talk about it? It's called "You Were Never, you were never really... really Here" with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, so "You Were Never Really Here" is a um, interesting film. It's very, very dark. It's very, very oppressive. It's mm. very, very, very serious. It yeah. deals with some pretty traumatic subject matter. Um, it deals with sort of hyper-violence. Mm. Uh, it deals with a protagonist who is suicidal. Um, and it's it's difficult to explain without getting too much into the plot. Mm. It's basically about a guy who um, is called upon to take people out of situations. So people that have yeah. been like in human traffic situations, he goes in, gets them out. He takes people out of a shitty situation. And he's contacted for a job where he goes to do it. And as he gets the person out, the whole situation changes around him. It's difficult to go into too much detail here because there are lots of toss, tossing and turning and turnarounds of the plot. And there's, is there a sort of conspiracy in there? Mm. But also, it's dealing with like his fragile psyche as well, and coping with sort of day to day life outside of these hyper violent acts. Yeah. Um, but it's really, really powerful, and it's yeah. really emotional, and it's it can be quite tough to watch in places. But um, but yeah, you were never really here. Yeah, no, it was intense, uh, and it's quite short as well. It's only like an hour and a half, but it's yeah. like it's super intense. Um, and yeah, again, original. I think is the other yeah. thing I'd, I'd say. Similar to a quiet place, it's I've never quite seen anything else quite like it. Um, no, and for that, I mean, it's sort of. I'd say it's like a. Um, I wouldn't say it's a modern version of Taxi Driver, I but it's, same, but yeah. yeah, like echoes of Taxi Driver. Yeah, but it's a lot more. Oppressive. Arty. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't know if arty is the right word, but it. it yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's, there's yeah. one specific scene I'm thinking of. You yeah. know what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, so that was You Were Never Really Here. Um, mm-hmm. It's not one to watch on a fun, light evening of chat amongst friends, but it's still really worth a watch. Hmm. Excellent. Okay, cool. So next up, we're, we're, we're dancing around it because there's a big one in April. But before we get to the big one, Rampage. I thought that was the big one. <laughs> because up. that's got three big ones in it. Four big ones. Big, do you know what the, the tagline was? Big meets bigger. Big meets bigger. Because The Rock is a giant man. Yes, but he's not as giant as this big CG ape, is he? No. No. So Rampage is based on the video game of the same name. And it's about as exciting, really. It's it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a giant monkey 
is a giant wolf and it's a giant crocodile punching one another and buildings fall down around them and they've interspersed a plot in there with The Rock as a zoologist and some other people in it. Yeah. And if you do watch this film, watch it whilst drunk and pay attention to the background acting. Yeah. Because everybody in the background is just so astonished by everything. Uh, I will say that The Rock gives it The Rock. Yeah. Does a great job. Um, but yeah. There's a particular thing where like the, there are a brother and sister who are like the corporate bad guys yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. And the brother, I mean... That's exactly who I was I talking know, about. I know, but he, just, he in particular, you'll know him when you see him. It's just the most out there, ridiculous performance of the year. He's just and, falling all over the place, yeah. hamming it up. It's not even ham, it's like a fucking side of gammon. It's like, yeah. I've never seen anything like yeah. it. It's just it's amazing yeah. to, to witness. Um, so yeah, pay attention to that. Again, if you do watch it, pay attention to the little things um, and you'll have a good time. Don't expect it to be like good. No, <laughs> don't expect it to be a good film. But yeah. It's the same along the same lines as the Hurricane Heist. Yeah, I'd say it's better than that. Just. But uh, A, because it's got the rock in it. Think... B, Giant Monkey. B, point A, Giant Wolf. B, You're... point B, Giant Crocodile. You're missing something. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, fuck. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in this. And he's great. And so jo- is and Joe, Joe Manganiello. And they're both great. Joe Manganiello is, like, woefully mis- underused. <gasps> I forgot Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in but this But Jeffrey film. D. Morgan is just the coolest motherfucker. Fuck. Yeah. All right, yeah, go and see this film. <laughs> yeah, so Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the guy who plays Negan on The Walking Dead. Um, who again is one? Of, he's a really underrated actor. We want to see more of him. Um, and this might be the only film that I've seen him in this year, definitely. Um, but he was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rampage. That's Rampage. So there's one big one that came out in April. Right. At the end Hurricane of April. No. no. Avengers: Infinity War. Yes. So, as you can probably tell from us, we're massive nerds and we are big into the Marvel franchise and all the rest of it. So. There is a lot to say about Avengers Infinity War. It's the big culmination of 10 years worth of Marvel movies. It's got everyone in it, all the Avengers characters, all the Avengers characters from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's been building up to for 10 years. It's this big fight between the Avengers and Thanos. We're not, I'm not, I can't talk more about it really at this point because we're going to have to talk about it um, in, in depth, full. But as a fan of that franchise, it was everything we wanted it to be. Yeah. It, from, we went to like a midnight showing. We absolutely loved it. There were uh, emotional moments. There were just spectacular moments, things you never expected to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just pure wish fulfillment as a fanboy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And basically, the, the, it's everything that you expected and needed to happen, beat for beat, after seeing this Genesis in two thousand eight, all the way up until now, mm-hmm. it did. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I can't. We can't say more about it without getting into yeah. details. Um, and it's mad to think that you probably haven't seen it. Yeah, like, but if you haven't, again, and I, and I will it's the say the magnum opus so far. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say that the, the one sort of downside to it as a movie is that it, I imagine it would be quite alienating for anyone who hasn't seen previous movies. Yeah, like if you're just if you just go and watch, oh, that's like. For, it's on Christmas Day. It's on Sky Movies, mm-hmm. which is like our, you know the big um, UK. Uh, cable network essentially isn't yeah. it so everyone's got Sky big Sky premiere is Avengers Infinity War if someone goes oh let's just put that Avengers on that'll be alright and terms of having never seen anything before yeah. it will make zero sense you have no idea who anyone is they're all just coo- but the reason it works is because they've all had their own movies to develop their characters and yeah. build up and then now get inserted into this but what I would also say is that it is the third film in a sequel yeah in a set of sequels so it's it's a but that's the thing, it's not even the third film, because then it's like, you can't even watch just the Avengers movies, because then if you skip, like, Civil War, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. If you skip Thor Ragnarok, you don't know why Why the hell is the Hulk but, in space with Thor? Like, do you know what I mean? There's so much that you miss unless you watch yeah, them yeah. in the right order. And, like, again, if you just watched just the Avengers movies, where the hell did Black Panther and Wakanda yeah. and all that come from? <laughs> anyway... We, yeah, we're doing. Yeah, exactly. We've already gone too. We've already gone on too far. Yeah, but Avengers: Infinity War. It is, and like I say, it's the culmination. It's the end, and it's the equivalent for me of you can't go and watch it on its own because it's like watching the Return of the King without having watched the first two Lord of the Rings movies. Yep, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. 
So as a culmination, as a crescendo to the whole thing, it's great. Outside of that, I can see why people might have issues with it. Anyway, we'll talk about it another time. Yep. So then we get into May. May we had so we had two big releases and then one that came out on HBO. So we'll talk about the big releases first. <laughs> <sighs> so first up, and again, this is going to end up being a bigger conversation. Solo. Yep. Solo, so, a Star Wars story. Yeah, Solo, a Star Wars story is the prequel origin story of Han Solo mm-hmm. from the Star Wars franchise. Yep. Um, it's it, it's a film that I will quite openly and honestly say that before I went to see it, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm going to bother, to be honest. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, It's good fun. It hits all the beats it needs to. Mm. It includes some some origin stuff. It includes some new stuff. It's not fixatedly on an origin of anything specific. No, it's his own thing, but it it doesn't... I think the the big thing that we've said is that it it does right by the characters. Yeah. By all the old characters that we know. So it's Han, Chewie and Lando. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lando is played by... um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover and absolutely smashes it. Yeah. Um, Alden Ehrenreich is the guy who plays Han and he does a really good job. I think he, yeah. he's been sort of, he's got a lot of shit basically for the whole yeah. thing. Um, because it's, you know, you can't walk into the shoes of Harrison Ford. No. It's like, the, it was an impossible task but fair play to him, he did his best. He did um, pretty much what he needed to do. And yeah, and you also had supporting cast members like Woody Harrelson, Paul Bettany and um, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark, and everyone was great. And it was just good fun. It was sort of disposed. It was just a fun, you know, yeah. Star Wars action movie. But I think, yeah, it, yeah, there's a lot to be said about Solo in terms of where it was placed. The fact that you, before you went in there, weren't even that bothered about going to see it, mm-hmm. says a lot that we've come. That and then far. I went to see it a couple more times after yeah. that. And the fact that we, with the fact that we've come that far in Star Wars over the past three years since mm-hmm. The Force Awakens came out, that you've got to a point where you're not that bothered if you go and see it or not with the Star yeah. Wars movie. That's not great. Yeah. And that was reflected in the box office. It really did not do well solo. Um, and it was no. considered a flop. Um, and for that reason, they're changing up a lot of what they're doing um, with Star Wars. They're slowing down production because they've been churning them out. Um, and they're changing things. They're not necessarily going to do these spin-offs anymore as a result of yeah. Solo not doing well. Um, but all of that is not, not reflective of the quality of the film because I think yeah. the film's great. Um, I just feel like they should have released it now. They should have put it out this Christmas. It would have done a lot better. Yeah. But if it was out like last week, we'd all be up for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Let's not get too far into it now because we've already yeah, gone sorry. way over what we would said we yeah. were going to do because we are, you know, there is a new Star Wars film coming out next year so we are going to be yeah, we'll, we'll deep about diving into Star Wars films. Absolutely. Um, and then, so yeah, okay, leading us straight on. Another reason Solo probably didn't do very well is that the following week, Deadpool 2 was released in cinemas. Yes. It was great. Yeah, so I um, I really enjoyed the first Deadpool. Yeah. Um, it came out as a result of a leak, in inverted leak. commas, yeah. <laughs> in speech marks. Um, and it came out to massive acclaim. Everybody pretty much universally enjoyed it. Um and yeah, this is the sequel to it. The sequel ups the stakes mm-hmm. and adds more money and they tell you that and it brings in new characters, it brings in obscure characters, it brings in some really interesting developments with time travel, mm-hmm. um, which I normally hate, but was kind of okay a little bit with most of it in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really strong sequel. Yeah. It does suffer a little bit of sequelitis. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that rarest of things. It's a comedy sequel that actually works. Yeah, there are barely, you can count a good comedy sequel like on one hand. There are yeah. barely any, um, but this was one of them. And yeah, I, we laughed. We like everyone that we all went to go and see it with had a fucking great time. Yeah, there was some of my favorite jo- like my favorite joke of the whole thing is the um, obviously the opening sequence bit with the Celine Dion yeah. song is like one of the best things I've seen all year. I love that yeah. so much as a big fan of Bond. Um, and yeah, if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. But anyway, yeah, really good fun. Um, Ryan Reynolds is is Deadpool, yeah, and absolutely owns that character. Um, and it was it was great. And another and Josh Brolin as well as Cable, absolutely yes. smashed it. Um, so yeah, Deadpool two, excellent. Right, and the next one is oh yeah, uh, Fahrenheit four five one. Fucking Fahrenheit four five one. 
Okay, so Fahrenheit 451 is based on the um, novella that was written... Ray Radbury. Yep. And it's a dystopian future film that's written about how... Um, you know what? Shit, let's not talk about it. It's I, don't, I don't want to talk about it. Let's no. move on. Um, if you <laughs> if you want to know about Fahrenheit 451, um, either read it or listen to the audio book that's narrated by Tim Robbins. Don't worry about the film. And um, let's move on to something else. Although we'll say that there has been different versions of the movie being made before. Yeah. Um, but this was the new version. We saw the trailer for it. We were quite excited for it. It had Michael B. Jordan and um, Michael, Michael Shannon. Yeah. So we were like really up for it and disappointed yep. because it was rubbish. Um, but yeah, like I said, let's not give it any more time than that. Nope. Um, June. Uh, right. Incredibles 2. Yes. There you go. Incredibles 2. Um, so, yeah, obviously the sequel to the Pixar movie, The Incredibles. Um, it's like... Which is one of my favourite films of all time. When was the first one? It was like 2006, 2004? quite a while back. Yeah, so it was a massive, massive gap before they made the second Incredibles mm-hmm. movie. Um, and it was great. It was absolutely... Like, Pixar, like, very rarely get it wrong. Um, and this time around, they absolutely smashed it. Um, yeah. Fantastic action, looked amazing. And again, there was just... There was that... The big thing that sticks with me from it is there's a sequence where she's tracking the Mrs. Incredible is tracking down the villain and the villain is giving this monologue about superheroes and how we watch superheroes and we're passive and we never go out and do anything because they're the ones doing it for us. And it's like a really meta like commentary and attack on superhero culture within a superhero movie that's got a load of superhero fans in the audience. And yeah, I was just like, sharp like i'm so that's like it made me think about things yeah <laughs> in a way that like fucking pixar man they're just the geniuses they're absolute it's, geniuses. it's it's amazing and again it's um something that pixar do they they often make sequels that are as good sometimes better mm. than the originals like, i wouldn't say that incredibles 2 is better no. than the original it stands but with it. i would say it absolutely stands shoulder to shoulder with it yeah i love it no it's great i've seen it probably two or three times yeah since um i saw it twice at the cinema i've seen it three or four times maybe more since i've been since it's been out on home release yeah but yeah i love it i think it's an absolute essential addition to anybody's repertoire of pixar watch um yeah absolutely um and yeah don't know more to say about other than that really nope no um so what else in june um hotel artemis yeah hotel artemis was a film that we saw that's pretty um, much all I can say about that. Yeah. I think it's probably the, the most forgettable film of the year, unfortunately. Um sadly, yeah. yeah. I mean it's got some it's it's got some great people in it. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, um, Dave Bautista, yeah. uh, Sterling K Brown, yeah. uh, Brian Tyree Smith. Yeah. Um who played Miles' dad in mm-hmm. Jeff uh, Goldblum. Just, yeah, Jeff Goldblum's in it. Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto's in like it. We, it's, it's, it's got this incredible cast, but unfortunately the writing is a little bit... Yeah, it's all, it, it was a concept whereby it's like some future dystopian future and there's a hotel where if you're a criminal you can go and you can get patched up. Yeah. Um, but... No very specific rules around it. You yeah. go and you get given a code name, you get fixed up and then you move on. But like... It, it's a little bit Assault on Precinct 13-esque and like... Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't... It didn't really work particularly well i don't know why I don't, I don't think it didn't work i just i just think that it, it had the potential to do so much more yeah i think it, it had too many different because again charlie Day was in it yeah and um sophia sophia batella batella was also in it so and they were whole other characters like they had too much going on almost i feel mm-hmm. like they didn't focus it enough yeah um but yeah that was hotel artemis um another thing that came out we saw later, but came out in June, and I wish we'd gone and seen it in the cinema. Um, Upgrade. Yes. How good was Upgrade? Upgrade was fucking brilliant. Upgrade. Upgrade was fucking brilliant. So Upgrade um, is, like again, a sort of sci-fi movie. It stars a guy called Logan Marshall Green, yep. who has got his entire career is, he looks a little bit like Tom Hardy, but he's not Tom Hardy. Yeah. So I feel bad for him for that. But he gave a great performance in this. Um, and the, basically the, the idea behind it is that he's involved in an accident or mm-hmm. whatever and a tech company um, come to him and say, we can rebuild you and allow you to be able to walk again. Well, it's and not even that. It's, it's, 
it's this one genius guy that's, yeah. that comes in and says, I can do this for you, but you can't tell anyone. Yeah, that's right. So Because it's like, it's an experimental drug, uh, not drug, but tech, yeah. whereby he can put a chip into the back of your head and it takes over your motor functions. Yeah. So it will allow him to walk, etc. But it becomes sentient. It starts yeah. talking to him. So it has an AI built yeah. into it. And it's basically, it, it is, we've said this earlier, it's the best Venom movie that came out this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's quite similar that he has this dial, this ongoing dialogue with this thing that's implanted in his head yeah. that turns him into like a lethal weapon, essentially. That, that can control his yeah. body against it, his own will. Yeah, so he has, there are these amazing fight sequences that they do where he just absolutely annihilates people. And it's filmed in such a way where it's like steady cam. Oh, yeah. So the, the way that this was filmed was um, they had iPhones inside their clothing mm. that the cameras were tracking. Right. So the cameras were moving with the way that these iPhones would move because of the the, um, the gyro tech that yeah, they, yeah. they have okay. in there, uh, like the accelerometers, sorry. Um, and it's directed by an Australian guy called Lee Winnell, yeah. who isn't particularly well-known, um, but he absolutely smashed it. Yeah. And like, yeah. When we watched it, we were like, as the whole time that we were going through it, we were like, holy shit, this is great. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. And then it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And by the by the end of the film... Both you and I were stood up saying about how fucking great this film yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. It's the one of the one of the overlooked gems of this year, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that it will get that sort of cult status and people will continue to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. And in particular, I hope that Logan Marshall Green gets more stuff because yeah. what the other thing that I remember you saying when the, we looked into it was that the director said about how so much of the physical movement and stuff was just him. Yeah. Like there was no like it looks like it's augmented or like they're doing some sort of camera trick to make him go real robotic. Yeah. It's not. It's just his own physical performance. Yeah. It's like fuck. That guy's awesome. <laughs> He's so really good. Um, and he handles the emotional stuff really well because there is quite a. It's like a revenge story. I won't get into. All, yeah. But he does that really well as well. Um. So yeah. Upgrade. Check it out. Really yeah. good. Really, really, really good. Uh, what else have we got in June? Um, June we also have. Sicario 2. Yeah. Mm. God, I forgot about that one. Mm. Yeah, man. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's Sicario 2 is... Um, Day of the Solod- Soldad. Soldado. Nil. The Soldado. Soldado, that's it. Um, so, yeah, it's a sequel to Sicario, which was a spectacular film. Yeah. Um and this time it's still great but in its own way yeah it's, it's a very different way it's, it's it's written uh by a guy called taylor sheridan who's done who did he did scario yeah and he, also, he did um uh oh god I forgot, hello high water hello high water and he did wind river mm-hmm. and he did this and he also was in sons of anarchy acting in it um but he has this quite unique way of like modern day western yeah writing style Mm. which is really really impressive because you don't tend to get that in a lot of other films nowadays um and this is another one where we can't really go too much into the plot because it changes somewhat as you get into it um but it's it's interesting because obviously it switches up the protagonist from the original so in the original emily blunt plays the protagonist Mm -hmm. and then you have Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin are kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say they're, they're the antagonists almost of that movie in a weird way. Um, um, yeah, the ish. Like, it's, yeah. again, because it, because of the way he writes these movies, everything's shades of grey. Yeah. It's not as simple as a bad guy and a good guy. But anyway, they're in the movie and they they have their own side plot. And then the sequel is almost like a spin off where it's about those mm-hmm. two and what, and like the next operation or what happens. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's intense. It was not what I was expecting. No. So I think I was a little bit disappointed at first, but on reflection, I do realise how good it is for what it is. Yeah. Um, and I want to revisit it. I definitely want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Um, I saw it twice. Yeah, you did. In the cinema. You? That's right. You came the second time with me, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it was definitely not what I was expecting, um, but great in its own right. Yeah. Really, um, really good. But check out, like... If you've not seen this and you've not seen Scario, go and watch them both. I've, like... 100% watch Sicario, the first Sicario. Yeah. So that's the thing. I can't 
say that I think Sicario 2 is as good. No, no, it's it's not as good. Um, I think that part of that is because the first one was directed by Dennis... Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, that guy who also directed uh, Blade Runner 2049 and yeah. Arrival, and he's one of the best directors working today. This second one wasn't, it was some other guy. But anyway, Sicario 2. Yeah. That was it. And Josh Brolin and uh, Benicio, Benicio Del, Toro Del Toro absolutely kill it. Yeah. Because they're both awesome. Um, and it was good to see Benicio Del Toro not just being really weird for the sake of being really weird, which is what he does in most like mainstream movies that he's in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that. Um, then we got, in June, we got Tag. Yep. Which we watched recently, um, which was the, is the comedy about a group of friends playing Tag with one another, and it's got... For 30 years. Yeah, and it's got uh, Jake Johnson. Yep. It's got... Um, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner, John Hamm. What's the guy's name from the um, Hangover? Ed Helms? Ed Helms and Isla Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all right. It's like sort of fun. And that's the... So I want to come back to it because I'm compa- I want you to sort of compare it to Game Night. Okay. Because it's a similar sort of setup. It's grown-ups playing the game and everything gets out of hand. Yeah. Like, there's a similar sort of setup. But having what... The only one I've seen of those two is Tag. And my thing with Tag is there is a joke in Tag which I don't think is okay. Yeah. And we, think... we addressed this in real life and I said if you'd watched it in uh, South Park or Family Guy, it would have been fine. Yeah. But it's different when it's but real it's people. It's different when it's real people. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I liked Game Night better than I did Tag. Okay. Tag felt a little strung together. Yeah. Okay. It felt like there was um, an idea and then they just kind of built things around it from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was one thing fun. Say, Don't forget Hannibal Buress was in this as well. Oh yeah, he was great. He was cool. fucking wicked. But that's the thing. I think all the I think the cast were all really good in Tag, yeah. and they're really funny. The cast like, in Tag yeah. is better um, overall. Yeah, actually, I, actually, I don't know because Game Night, um, Game Night had like three really strong, like, Leads. of the cast yeah. that were really really good in it, and then the background characters were also really great fun and had real good time with it. But then there seemed to be more leads in Tag. Yeah, in Tag. I mean, And it kind of watered it down a bit. Yeah, but like, um, Renner's great, and he gets all these weird, like, over-the-top action sequences, basically. Yeah. Um, where, but like, So much so that he actually broke both of his arms filming. Yeah. Which is why he couldn't be in Avengers Infinity War, because he had two broken arms. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons. I'm sure there was that. Yeah, well, they, they were saying that he couldn't do... There was a... There was a cameo that he was going to film yeah oh, there was a cameo that he was going to film and he couldn't because he broke with both his arms yeah <laughs> so he had to pause filming on Infinity War 2 which we now know as Endgame yeah um, but yeah I think I prefer Game Night yeah I think it's a better all in all comedy rather than having plot contrivance that they have to hold on to to fix everything else around it yeah they wrote a good comedy yeah fair enough um and then so one more left in June then, which um, I've just caught up on today, and it's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Um, so yeah, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is the sequel to Jurassic World from 2015, um, which had Chris Pratt and Dias, Bri- Dias Bryas Howard. Uh, uh, That's uh, her name. First of all, we need to call it by its official name. What was it Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park... Five. Five. Jurassic, Jurassic World, World Two... Two. Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom, fucking ridiculous, isn't it? I, yeah. Anyway, so it's the ne- it's the latest Jurassic Park movie. Mm-hmm. It's the sequel to Jurassic World, which was the like reboot with um, Chris Pratt, and it's rubbish. I, <laughs> I watched it earlier today. For the, I didn't I didn't bother going to see it at the cinema yeah. because I really really didn't like Jurassic World. It really pissed me off, and it annoyed me how much everyone else seemed to like it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's like it starts off and it has a whole storyline about how the island that has all the dinosaurs on it has got a volcano on it and yep. it's going to blow up and kill the dinosaurs and they want to save all the dinosaurs. And then that's and that's pretty cool for the first like half an hour. And then it spends another like hour and a half just wandering around some guy's house where they're selling dinosaurs and there's some genetic shit going on. And then it, and then it ends. Yeah. It's just like, it's... See, you really didn't like it. I quite enjoyed it. Okay. I'm not going to say it's particularly a memorable film, but I probably enjoyed it as much as I did 
Jurassic World. Okay. So it's not... So Jurassic World was more enjoyable for me because it was on the island and it was in the theme park and it was just yeah. it felt like proper Jurassic Park. Whereas this, they've taken it... And they've got to do that, I suppose. You can't keep making the same film over and over again. No. But it just it didn't feel like Jurassic Park to me anymore. Yeah, but it's not really anymore, is it? No, it's, it's not. Jurassic World now. Yeah, true. So we had Jurassic Park as probably one of the greatest films ever made in history of all time ever. And I'll fight anyone that says otherwise. Okay. Um, and then we had a couple of sequels. Yeah. Which weren't that great. No. And then we've now got a couple more sequels which aren't that great. No. But I had fun with it. Like, the opening scene of Fallen Kingdom, brilliant. Yeah. Then the whole stuff on the island was really fun and really exciting. And then it beca- suddenly became this, like, horror haunted house That's what, that's what I mean. It's that, it's that shift. Like, I was quite enjoying it up until that point. And then they do this sort of hard right turn. Yeah. And then they just sort of, they have this one idea of the plot. And they just sort of stretch it out over too long a period of time. Yeah. I feel like it could have just been the second act. And mm-hmm. instead they made it be the entire entirety of the rest of the film. Um, yeah. and then, there's a lot of stuff thrown in. Yeah. And that's not to say it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I also wouldn't say it's great. No. And, but, but what I will say again from it is that the way they left it in terms of what they could do next mm-hmm. is interesting to me. It was like the things that I saw in the trailer in terms of dinosaurs loose out in the world. Yeah. Is yeah, I would, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, just yeah, I'll be I I will still maybe watch the next one. Really? Maybe. Okay. And lo- and it's inevitable that the next one's coming because the, it was number three at the box office in terms of worldwide this year. It made yeah. a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I I, th- I feel like depending on who directs and all the rest of it, I could see myself maybe going for the third one. Yeah. Because the third one will be what I wanted this one to be. Okay, that's see what I mean. Yep, yeah, see. Okay, cool. So that is June then. So that is the first half of 2018. Yep. Um, and given that we've sort of banged on for quite a while now, yep. um, let's make this a two-parter. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like yeah, we've gone way up. We've uh, we've abandoned our structure halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. We really tried. We, we set a rule to start with in our production office this morning. What did I say? As we started this about rules. Oh, you said about how you keep crying in the shower and you don't know why. You don't know why your reflection always looks so sad. So anyway, yeah, join us next week. We're going to do part two. Um, we'll talk about the second half of the year. Um, thanks for listening to us up to this point. Um, and yeah, we'll continue. Um, we'll probably release them a week apart, but we'll um, put a pause on it for this. This is part one of the Omcast 2018 year in review. Yep. And we'll see you for part two. Excellent. Cheers. Bye.